Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who apparently does not think May is the best month of the year like I do, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Uh, look, May's not the best month. It just is what it is. However, I do understand why you think it's the best month. Um, and, uh, you know, all the listeners out there, this is a very important announcement. It is actually Trevor's birthday today as we record this on May 15th. So happy big 19th birthday to you, Trevor. Um, very, very happy to be here celebrating with you on the podcast. I appreciate it. And also, you got me a little gift here. I'm holding it right now. It's a little Did. Jimmy Butler Funko Pop. It's like a little action figure. And I'm very appreciative. I love it. Um, just got to figure out where to set it now. Where to put it. Yeah, I, I've gotten very into Funko Pops uh, over the last few months. Um, I absolutely love them. And I was like, you know, we got to get Trevor a Funko Pop. So we, we gave him a little Jimmy Butler heat Funko Pop. If I remember, I'll post a picture of it uh, in the description. I'm probably not going to remember. But if I do, you guys will see a picture. So happy birthday to you, Trevor. Um, sadly, Ben is not with us here today. Uh, I'm going to be honest with everyone here. This is our second time recording today. Uh, my audio got corrupted on the first episode. Ben was with us. He did have to go. He had a prior engagement to be at. Um, so Ben wishes he, he was here. He'll be listening to this. Um, and I will say, I guess we'll just, we'll, we'll say this now, Trevor, about your, your you know, our trivia. We're not going to do trivia because Ben isn't here. Uh, however, in the episode we just recorded that we couldn't release, Trevor did get a point for his trivia question. I did. Um, so we are having a point on his board. Yes. So, right, what were we saying, Trevor? Yeah, I did. So now I have 11 points, uh, but you guys are tied for the lead. You and Ben both had 12.5. So, you know, I, I did I did chip away. You. It was a question you asked. Uh, what was the question again? It was like uh, the most Game 7s it was, in the NBA playoffs or something. Yeah, what teams... What NBA team has had the most Game 7s played? Not one, just played. And you got it. It was the Celtics. Yes. Uh, the other two questions were two of the hardest questions we've ever had. Uh, and I, I'll die in that hell, but <laughs> no one's ever going to hear it, Trevor. You know, I think you corrupted my audio because you didn't want anyone to hear your terrible question. Well, I don't think that's the case, and I don't think it was a terrible question. I thought it was it was definitely difficult, but it was it was gettable. Very. It was gettable. It, it involved one of my favorite college basketball players ever in Kemba Walker. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I was the only one that uh, got a point today. And by the way, like, you know, it's unfortunate. We'll try to make a, we're going to try to make this a really good podcast as well. But when you don't have Ben, I think you lose like 10, 15% of the podcast quality. And then also just like this, the, the podcast we recorded was like really good. So we'll, we'll see if we it was can so make it. good. It's, yeah. it's upsetting. This is actually, uh, you know, a little podcast for everyone. This is the second time that we've had to do something like this, right? Second time. Um, at least second. I don't know if there was another time, but obviously we did it when we had Dylan Fry on, which was like yes. the worst possible time to, to do it. <laughs> yeah, and that was also, that episode, we we recorded it, and it was still good, but that first one we recorded was excellent. Same one here, like today's episode is really, really good. We're still going to make it good. We're going to have a fun time. It'll be a great episode still, but we are definitely missing Ben. Ben brings a wonderful energy on this podcast. Um, I definitely think he's more than 10 to 15%. To be honest, I think you and him are right around the 45% mark. I'll take 10% of the credit, and you guys can take 45 each. Uh, Sound I, good? I don't know about all that. But yeah, ben, Ben's <laughs> obviously very valuable, you know. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. You guys, will, you guys will never hear the absolute amazing podcast we recorded. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, they will hear this one, and we will make it a 10 out of 10. So let's start it off here uh, with a little bit of small talk. First up, we have Tom Brady. He got this absolutely insane deal from Fox, 10-year, $375 million deal 
for him to come work for them when he's done playing football. And there's no timetable, just whenever he's ready. Um, and, I mean, this has been the trend. These quarterbacks go and they go commentate on games and they're, they're analysts. Um, and, I mean, this is absolutely wonderful. So, Trevor, we'll open it up to you first. Tom Brady's your guy. What did you think about this deal and the effect it has on the NFL? Yeah, so so first of all, and, and Ben mentioned this on the podcast, uh, the one you will not hear, is that to me it was surprising. Like, I, I know you, you weren't necessarily surprised because, again, a lot of other quarterbacks were doing this. But to me it was surprising just because, like, like, like as Ben also said, like, I just didn't really see – Tom Brady wanting to sit up there on, you know, every single Sunday in a broadcast booth commentating games, but apparently he does. And again, like, it's a very good gig for sure. And when you see the the number of the contract, 10 years, 375 million, obviously that maybe, you know, alters the decision uh, analysis or a little bit, uh, I would say. So, you know, it's obviously hard to pass up something like that. I would, I would commentate in the booth for free. In fact, I'd probably pay money to go and commentate on an NFL broadcast on Fox. Um, well, maybe not. Maybe I want to pay. <laughs> but um, it'd be pretty cool. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, we don't know exactly how many years Tom Brady has left, right? He's coming back to the Bucks. We'll see. Is it one more year? Uh, we don't know. His goal originally years ago was to play till he's 45. He's going to be 45 in August. So we'll see what happens. Um, but as far as just like how will he be as a broadcaster, right? We've seen guys like Tony Romo. Like, you know, Drew Brees is in it now. Peyton Manning's doing his thing on the Manning cast. Like, some of these guys have paved the way. And you have other guys, like Aikman's been doing it for a while, and Troy Aikman does a pretty good job as well, Greg Olson. So, like, we're seeing it more and more now where the the NFL, like, broadcasting booth is, like, very important. And you're seeing these companies, Fox, CBS, you know, ESPN— they're really prioritizing this because, again, I mean, the NFL yeah. is very I – mean, it's incredibly popular, and it's only going to continue to be popular. And it's it's important, you know. It's important to have a good broadcasting booth. Guys uh, guys or girls, people who are going to make the broadcast entertaining, they're going to, you know, teach you about the game. And, you know, they, you don't want people sitting up there that are boring. So I think it's going to be interesting. Tom Brady, I think, will do a fine job. He might not be the best. He might not be Romo. He might not be as good as Peyton Manning. But I think he'll still do very good because his knowledge, like just straight up like his knowledge and not only his knowledge just in general, but if he's going straight from playing on the field to going into the broadcasting booth where he just faced these guys, you know, like he just played against these defenses. So when he's sitting up there and he's commentating, he can, you know, talk about like what the Saints defense does so well. He can talk about uh, what the Chiefs do. He can talk about like these quarterbacks like he can and just hearing his thoughts on guys like Mahomes and Allen I think would be so interesting just to get Tom Brady's thoughts on how some of these other quarterbacks are doing um, now the other piece that, that I mentioned was like some of these guys they they tiptoe you know they're a little afraid to be critical of you know other players um, that they have once played against it's going to be interesting to see, will Tom Brady tiptoe? Will he want to be just nice to everyone? Or will he be a little more critical? Will he call out if, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, overthrows a guy by 10 yards? Will he call out when, uh, you know, inevitably Carson Wentz throws a terrible interception? Where Will he rake him under the coals? We've seen Trey Aikman do that a couple times this season, which I think helps Trey Aikman as a broadcaster. And I think Aikman actually did a really good job this past season. So that's going to be really interesting to see uh, with Brady. Yeah, and here's here's what's so interesting is 
No one, in my opinion, will be able to match Romo's ability that he has in terms of commentating. However, I think Brady's going to be great in his own perspective. Uh, Tom's one of the more witty players that we've seen come out of the league. Um, and, like, the prowess he has is excellent. I'm, I really don't like Tom Brady. I just I don't like him. However, I do think he will be an amazing commentator. Um, and, obviously, he has the educational perspective that Romo does have. But he's incredibly witty. He's able to think on his feet. He, he's quite funny. Um, and I think that's going to be super enjoyable as a commentator and an analyst because it seems like he's going to be doing both. Um, and like you said, you know, we see these networks really prioritizing this. We had the ESPN crew on Monday night for a long time. Like That was the crew. That's where you wanted to be. That was the top position. It's not like that anymore. That Monday night crew has been terrible for so long. Um, and, you know, Romo and Aikman have been amazing. Um, you know, we, we, we now have on Thursday night, we have Al Michaels and uh, Kerb Hurtstreet, um, which will be super interesting. We had Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth for super long, um, and we're about to get to see Brady be a part of the Fox crew, which will be just absolutely excellent to, to hear. And hear his interpretation of different players, you know, who he likes, who he doesn't like, will be so, so entertaining to hear. I, I completely agree with you, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just going to be fun. And, and obviously there's, and in addition, like you have like Amazon coming in, like they're, you know, I think there's like a couple prime games and stuff that we have this season. So there's just a lot of different, uh, really interesting aspects that I always like looking into, like in terms of like uh, different TV contracts and how things are being marketed, uh, the broadcast, how they change up different things, alternate broadcasts, all that kind of stuff I'm just very interested in. Yeah, 100%. I, I fully agree. It'll be very interesting. Whenever we do get that, it might be next year or maybe in five years. Who knows with Tom, uh, Mr. Fake Retirement. But let's keep on moving along here. Uh, get to the NFL schedule, which did get released this past Thursday. Um, very, very exciting time. Um, and uh, a lot to... I feel like there's so much we can talk about with the schedules and predictions. I mean, the NFL's always got a lot to say. We have a lot to say about the NFL. Um, but anything you wanted to comment on specifically about schedule release, Trevor? Yeah, so with the schedule release, right, like obviously it's fun to see some of these big games, like Bills-Rams, that's the first game of the season. That might be the game I, I'm looking forward to most from a neutral perspective. Like obviously, you know, seeing Bucks chiefs and I think it's week four, like yes, I'm very excited for that. There's so many other games that we could mention, like Chargers, I think Chiefs week two, I believe. Uh, Russell Wilson's return to Seattle like there's so many different games to look forward to but in addition just kind of looking at uh, number one like in terms of the strength of schedule that these teams have comparatively with uh, you know how well the teams played last year is very interesting obviously typically you have like the first place teams usually get tough schedules the following year so like obviously Ben you know is looking at like oh the Bengals are gonna have a tougher schedule and you could apply that to other you know really you know good teams that were first place in their division that's an interesting aspect and then the other aspect of like the schedule is just in terms of like rest right so which teams have to play teams uh, that that where they aren't getting as much rest. You know, when is when is a team's bye week? Like, are you getting a bye week in week five or is your bye week a lot later? So I think those aspects are all very interesting with the schedule. Um, and with that rest portion in particular, you look at it like the Buffalo Bills, who are, you know, in a lot of like sports books, like the preseason favorites to win that the Super Bowl, they have the easiest schedule in terms of rest, not in terms of 
the strength of opponent, but in terms of rest. Whereas like the Green Bay Packers have the toughest in terms of rest. So different things like that are really interesting to look at. There's all kinds of like analytics and graphs and, you know, people who are like football nerds like I sometimes am uh, like to look at that stuff other people might not care about that stuff but I, I think it's really interesting you know yeah no uh, the, the schedule is always an interesting time to see uh, you know what who teams have to play and when and stuff um, but I, I kind of want to transition this a little bit into playoff talk you know we now have the schedules we can see who these teams play you know, we had we had 14 teams in the playoffs last year. I want to go through who you think will not be in the playoffs from this past season. Um, so let's let's start off with the AFC, Trevor. What, what, what do you think about the AFC? Yeah, so looking at the AFC playoff bracket, I mean, the first team that stands out, and I feel like I've been saying this for like three years now, like the Steelers are going to, they're going to fall. The Steelers are going to have a bad season. And they just, they somehow, they figure it out. They either make the playoffs or they come close. Mike Tomlin has this ongoing record where he's always, his teams are always 500. They always are... They're, they always win, you know. It's finally time. Ben Roethlisberger, he's done. He's out of the league. You know, we'll see who the starting quarterback is this year, if it's Mitch or if it's Kenny Pickett. You know, I, I, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, you know, they still have some, I don't know, they still have a pretty good defense. Like, they still have some pieces. But with how good the AFC has gotten, um, obviously pretty clearly better than the NFC this upcoming season, it seems like. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are going to be competing for playoff spots, and I think the Steelers are going to fall out. I think it's finally their time. It's finally the fall of the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, and that uh, is makes me that makes me pretty happy, Brandon. I got to say. So I think the Steelers are going to fall out. The other team uh, that probably is going to fall out does not make me happy at all. I think the Patriots are going to fall out. The Patriots just lost their offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. They had a pretty lackluster draft. Yet another unimpressive Bill Belichick draft. Uh, people think of how great Bill Belichick is as a coach, and he is. He's an amazing coach, probably greatest football coach of all time. But lately, the drafts have not been so great for the Patriots. They had a good one last year, but in general, the drafts have not been very good over the last five to seven years. So I think the Patriots probably fall out. The third team I would point to, possibly the Raiders, because of how tough their decision division is, although... They just got Devontae Adams. They just got Chandler Jones. So it kind of feels weird for me to say that the Raiders simultaneously got better, but also might not make the playoffs. You know, isn't that pretty strange? Like the Raiders on paper got better, Brandon, but they might not make the playoffs. Yeah, so it's interesting you say that because I actually think the Raiders will make the playoffs. Um, I I really, really like their team. I think uh, they won't go much further than just making the playoffs. Uh... Derek Carr or David Carr? I don't know which one. They Derek. Have David Carr. Uh, is Derek? Yeah, Derek. All right, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, I like, but he's not going to win a Super Bowl. He's just not good enough. Um, and so I think they actually will make the playoffs, but that division is so good. Um, and we have the AFC West and AFC North. Those two divisions are really going to battle it out. I mean, they have uh, – maybe all those teams are capable of getting winning records. Um, so I have dropping out the Bengals, Patriots, and Steelers. Um, the Bengals, I think, are a really great team, and Joe Burrow is wonderful. But they have an insanely uphill battle uh, from this previous season. I mean, they won 10 games in a season that Pittsburgh had Big Ben playing quarterback. Lamar Jackson didn't play eight games. They were all injured. And the Browns had Baker Mayfield, which was the worst of the three, I'd like to point out, of those three team situations. The Browns won eight games, and now they have Deshaun Watson. Lamar's back, and they were 8-3 and three with Lamar. Without Lamar, they were 0-6. So, 
you know, I, this is going to be an uphill battle to not even just win this division, but more so to, to be able to compete in the, and make the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be a very, very difficult division for the Bengals. Steelers, I think they'll come and last the division. They, you know, easily said there. Patriots um, are now going to have to compete for three of these wildcard spots where you have the North and the West so dominant. I think it's going to be tough for them to get in. Um, so for those reasons, those are the three teams that I have out. I think the Raiders do make it, though. I'm going to be honest with you, Raiders make it. Let's head over to the NFC, Trevor, and I'll actually start here. I think these are going to be the seven teams in the NFC. The Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, Rams, Cardinals, Niners, and Eagles. In that order is what they were last year. Don't know if they'll end up being in that order. But the thing is, is I, I don't even know what other team would be, um, would be able to make the playoffs. You know, Seattle won seven games last year without Russ, most of them, and now they really don't have Russ. Um, I mean, what other team could make the playoffs? I mean, could we see Atlanta if Riddler is, like, really great? Maybe. Uh, New Orleans has Olave now. Seems like Michael Thomas might be healthy. Maybe want, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, James Winston will be able to get something going. Um, I don't see anyone coming out of the uh, East besides Dallas and Philly. Like, I don't see any way that these aren't the seven teams. What, what, what do you think, Trevor? Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. Um, I think for the most part, I agree. Uh, like, it's tough to find, you know, a team that you could take out, right? I mean, there's definitely some teams that made the playoffs that have question marks, like the 49ers, right? Like, who is going to be their quarterback? Is Jimmy G going to stay there, or is he going to go somewhere else? And if that's the case, then you're starting Trey Lance, who, you know, for all the flashes that, you know, may have been there from college, maybe occasionally – you see what he can do on like a, a nice design play for him to run in for a touchdown. I, I just I think Trey Lance is a question mark, and I think the 49ers are a little bit of a question mark. They're going to lose Debo Samuel. Like yes, they have a really good defense, and you know their offensive line is good. They you know they have a very good organization in general. So I I would pick the Niners to make the playoffs again, but that's just a team I'm questioning. Then you have the Philadelphia Eagles, who I don't know they they rattled off some wins at the end of last season. But I, I was never convinced that the Eagles were all that great. Like, I, I like Jalen Hurts. I don't love Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, the NFC East is a weaker division for sure. The Cowboys, I think, probably will get worse. So, but it's then like, okay, so if you're not picking the Cowboys or the Eagles to win the division, who are you picking? Like, are you going to pick the Giants who have Daniel Jones and a kind of a dysfunctional organization? Well, you could because they got a new coach, Brian Dayboss, coming in. He did really well in Buffalo. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones, I think, might have been hurt for at least a little bit of the games. And then their draft was incredible. They got two players that are going to make an impact right away. So could the Giants take it? Like, it's possible. And then going back to, like, the schedule, like, Washington, I believe, I, I hope this is correct. I think Washington had one of the toughest schedules last year. Um, and then this year, they have one of the easiest schedules, if not the easiest. Um, so I think Washington, in terms of the schedule, could be better now on paper with their team I, I don't really believe in them but it's it's a possibility the only other team I would go to is the Minnesota Vikings like could they make the playoffs finally like Kirk Cousins on paper you look at his stats and it's like man Kirk Cousins really good quarterback and then you watch him and it's like at times yes it's like okay he looks really good and then they'll have a moment where he'll he'll come back down to earth and you're like oh yeah that there's Kirk Cousins yeah that's so it's it's very tough, but I think you look at some of the teams at the top, like the Rams, uh, the Packers, the Bucks, all should make it back. The Cardinals, theoretically, should make it back. 
But um, I agree. I think the AFC will have more shakeups overall than the NFC will. 100%. 100%. Uh, it'll be a very interesting NFL season. We have fun plans for the summer for the pod, talk about the NFL. Um, but for now, we'll keep it moving. Let's go over to the NBA, Trevor. Um, before, actually, wait, before we go, Trevor, do you know who you share your birthday with? Emmett Smith. Very. Huh? Emmett Smith? Or are we talking about someone else? That's that's the guy I know. I was talking about someone else, but Emmett Smith is also a good one. You share your birthday with Ray Lewis. Oh. Greatest defensive player of all time. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Ray Lewis as well. Yeah, who who also killed zero people. I don't, I don't know about so. greatest greatest defensive player of all time, really. Greatest defensive player of all time is not even that close. I don't know about that one, Brandon. It's not <laughs> even that close. Just not. But let's move over to the NBA, Trevor. We have four excellent semifinal series um, that have all been really, really great. Two of which are finished. Two of which we have game sevens that are happening today. Yes. Um, so why don't we start breaking down these series? Yeah, so let's go with the two series that are already done. Uh, let's start with the Heat Sixers. The Heat... Uh, they take it in six. They beat the Philadelphia 76ers in six games. Uh, game six overall, uh, just like from a neutral perspective, like this was a bad game. Like it was a it was a terribly played game, to be honest with you. Uh, the Heat did get the win. They closed it out. At, at certain points, they had like 18 to 20 point lead. And then they couldn't completely pull away like I wanted them to. I wanted them to beat the Sixers by 30 points again like they did in game five. Couldn't quite do that because they weren't firing all cylinders. But... Really, this was one of, uh, I don't know, just like in terms of effort, this was one of the worst uh, efforts I've seen from a team in the playoffs. Like seeing how the Philadelphia 76ers played in this game six, and there was a little bit of it in game five too, but I, I think even more so in game six. Like James Harden, just like being beat for rebounds uh, again and again. Like there was this one play where I think Jimmy Butler shot a three or something, or I don't know, he, he took like a jumper. He missed it, and Harden was like five feet closer to the rebound than uh, Jimmy Butler was. And Jimmy Butler just like dead sprinted for the rebound, got it, and James Harden was like a couple feet away from the ball. It was like so wild. He like like took he was like walking to it, and it was just like the strangest thing I've ever seen. And there were other plays like that. Tyler Hero got an offensive rebound on a fast break where James Harden just like didn't box him out. There were. A lot of plays like that, you know, and and in this series, in totality, because I've just been talking about one game, in totality, from the Heat side, right, like, the defense was great. The defense was great, and Jimmy Butler was great. Jimmy Butler averaged about 28 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Jimmy Butler has been incredible. All of the talk about, you know, Jimmy Butler being a locker room cancer, Jimmy Butler not being a great team player, um... I think that's just nonsense now. Like, it's nonsense. He had the bubble season where he was awesome, led him to the finals that year, and then you have your people that'll still be like, well, it's the bubble, it doesn't matter. Well, now it's not the bubble. So what's the what's the thing we're going to say now that, that prevents us from acknowledging Jimmy Butler's greatness? I, I don't... I don't think they have anything. I don't think the Butler haters have anything to say. So he's been awesome. Um, the Heat defense has been really good. They haven't necessarily, at times, got consistent play from other guys. Like, Tyler Hero had some bad games in this series. Bam Adebayo, as great as he was defensively, not contributing a ton on offense. But they did get some from Struess late, like five games five, game six. Struess started hitting some threes, so that was really good to see. Uh, Sixer side, number one, 
there's been this whole narrative about Joel Embiid, right? Like, we just heard the MVP news. Nikola Jokic is the MVP. And there's this narrative that I think kind of led by Charles Barkley. He said on the TNT halftime show of Game 5 that, in a sense, like, he thinks Jimmy uh, Joel Embiid's not, you know, playing with a lot of effort. And part of it is because he lost the MVP. And I think this is just kind of nonsense to me. Like, Jimmy Butler, or I mean, I, I keep saying Jimmy Butler. Joel Embiid... The reason why he's not playing as well, number one, it's because of injuries. Like, he's wearing a face mask. He had a concussion. He has, like, a, I don't know, like a fractured thumb or something like that. Like, these are the reasons why Jim, uh, Joel Embiid is not playing as well. And also, the Heat defense. That's the next reason why he's not playing as well. So, we need to stop, like, making up these, like, arbitrary reasons. Like, oh, it's because of effort. Or it's because, like, psychologically he's not, like, all there right now. Like, no. It's because of the injuries. And it's because of the heat defense. And then the only other thing is, like, what do you do if you're Philly in the offseason? Like, it hasn't worked again. The process has been going on for, like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years now. And they haven't even made a conference finals since they've gotten Joel Embiid. Haven't even made a conference finals, Brandon. I mean, what do, what do you think about that? What, what do you think about this whole Philly situation? Yeah, it's, it's crazy to me they have it. And I feel like every year they're, like, favorited to at least be in the conference finals. And, I mean, this is something, you know, I've been wondering, Trevor, I feel like maybe you have more insight. We see some of these teams that are making it out of these, you know, series. We see, like, the Suns, the Heat, uh, Warriors, uh, Celtics. A lot of these teams are more complete teams and have less, you know, top seven stars. You know, the Lakers, Nets, and Sixers have a ton of these stars, and their teams seem to be in shambles. They just can't get anything together. Do you think we're finally moving away from super teams and getting these guys, you know, just playing the cap well and getting guys who are going to be super efficient um, or like a team like the Celtics who just really, really are great at defending? Do you think we're at the point where we're moving away from these super teams and the, uh, you know, for the lack of a better word, the meta is going to be with getting these more complete teams? Yeah, so I don't know if we're necessarily in general moving away from the super teams, but I've definitely enjoyed kind of this trend we've seen, particularly this year, last year to some extent as well, but more this year. I really enjoy it because we're not, you know, it, it means that we're not going to have as many super teams probably, right? Like, because like, if you see the super teams have success, if you're another team, you're going to see that and say, okay, we need a super team. So now that we're seeing like, okay, the Nets fall, like they get swept in round one. Okay, we know that didn't work. The Lakers, although they won a championship with Davis and LeBron the first year, I don't, I don't even know if necessarily the Lakers has super team. I mean, it's two amazing players, it's not three, but regardless, now they don't even make the playoffs this year, right? So that's, that's kind of interesting. I definitely enjoy that that's part of it. But I think the other thing that I would point out is that it's really just um, a bad job in terms of like the general manager of the front office, like just kind of like the short-sighted approach of like you need to realize that there's other important factors other than just having these superstars. You need to have continuity. You also need to have like really good switchable defenders. And you look at some of these really good teams now, like you said, the Celtics are maybe the biggest example. Uh, the Heat are another example. The Phoenix Suns, like. These teams all have really good switchable defenders. The Celtics have about five of them, like Al Horford, Marcus Smart, uh, Grant Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. You know, the Heat have Bam Adebayo, who's a really good switchable big. 
Uh, obviously, the Warriors have had Draymond Green now for a while, um, and he's an incredible defender. So I think that's really the thing, whereas a team like the Nets, they don't have that. They don't have any good like switchable wing. Like Kevin Durant was probably their best defender. And at the same time, Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles injury is like 33 years old. You need him for the offense, and at the same time, you have to rely on him for the defense as well. I, th- I You know, that's not the best thing. If you have Kevin Durant, you need to have other good wing defenders around him. You can't just stake it all and like, oh, Kevin Durant's just going to take us to the promised land. Same thing with the Lakers. Like, they got rid of Caruso. They got rid of KCP. So I think it's just uh, kind of a, I don't know, a short-sighted approach or just like a bad job in terms of the front offices of these teams. So I, I guess, you know, maybe from now they'll learn from their mistakes. But, yeah, it's it's definitely really interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how we move forward in, in the NBA. You know, seeing these last two seasons of the teams that are doing well, it's very, very interesting to see. Uh, Trevor, what's our next series we're going to talk about? Yeah, so the next series we got is the Warriors-Grizzlies. Uh, the Warriors win this one in six um, on Friday. Uh, they took they took the series home. And, you know, obviously John Morant, he got hurt. That stinks, right? Like, this series was supposed to be an incredible series, and it still was good. But it obviously would have been better if John Morant played. So it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, the Grizzlies, they're such a young team. They have so many years to come. Like, all of these guys, like John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, all of these guys are, like, either our age or younger than us. Like, John Morant's younger than us. Desmond Bain's younger. Jaron Jackson's, like, 21. Like, so they have so much young talent, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they move forward. You know, like, John Morant, he's got to get better on a defensive end, uh, right? Like, Dylan Brooks, he's got to be more consistent on offense. Like, he had a lot of bad shooting nights uh, when, when, you know, obviously, especially once John Morant went out. So they do have some flaws, you know. Obviously, they lost. They have some flaws. But they're a young team, so they have time. On the Warriors' side, uh, Game 6 Clay showed up. You know, he was really good. <laughs> that's, that's good to see for him. Uh, obviously, Clay Thompson, he was really enjoying it. He was getting the crowd hyped up, and he was, I'm sure, very happy about his performance. Uh but this was kind of the first game of the series where he really had a big game like this. So in order for me to feel confident that the Warriors can win another championship, they got to be more consistent. Like, they have a flaw in their perimeter defense. Like, Jordan Poole's not the best perimeter defender. Steph Curry's decent, but he's not so big. Clay coming off the injury, right? So, and Gary Payton's hurt. So it's like, there's some flaws here, especially on the perimeter defense, but even on offense where, you know, getting a game where all these guys are clicking doesn't really happen. It, it, like, it's very rare where you get Steph, Clay, and Poole all clicking. And maybe you don't need them all to have a great game. I don't think you necessarily do. But Clay's had, I think, too many bad games here. And uh, I, I, I just think that needs to kind of correct itself in order for the Warriors to win a title. Uh, but good series. Um, we'll see who they play. I mean, we got two really good Game 7s coming up. Uh, but a- any thoughts on this Warriors-Grizzlies series, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Grizzlies, I think, are going to be great for a really long time. Uh, Sadly, the Warriors will just be better. I mean, that just is what it is. When you have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, you're you're always going to have a really good shot. But this Grizzlies team has so many great young stars. I think they will have uh, a a very, very bright future. You know, do you see, see, like, the Grizzlies, that type of team, I feel like, like I said, I have that bright future. Do you see the Grizzlies winning within the next five years a championship? How possible do you think that is? I mean, it's 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 totally possible. I mean, 
there's a lot of great teams, obviously. So it's it's always tough to win a championship. But when you have John ja Morant, I mean, John ja Morant, he's only like 22, 21, 22. He's going to be one of the best players in the league for the next 10, 12 years. And then when you have other guys like Jaron and Dylan Brooks, like they have a really solid team. They have a really good defensive team. Offensively, there's maybe more inconsistencies there. But if they can, if like if Jaw can really buy in on defense, become a better defender, and I mean just with experience, I think they're going to get better. So obviously, so yes, they could win it in the next five years, and I think they're going to be right up there with these other top teams. Like again, like you look at some of these other teams, like Phoenix, Chris Paul's thirty-seven. How much longer is their window going to last? Uh, Golden State, Steph Curry, Draymond, Clay are all in their thirties now. How much longer is their window? You know, so you have you have the Dallas Mavericks with Luca, but I still think you know you could argue that they need more talent around Luca, although they've been pretty good. So the Grizzlies are going to be right there in the mix in the Western Conference, I think, for the next five, probably more years than that, to be honest. Yeah, it, it's I'm I'm super excited for them. Like John Morant, I think we both love John Morant, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, they definitely have a fan in me for sure. But I mean, the Warriors. Would you say the Warriors are the favorites for this year? So they're currently? so they're the when you go and look at like uh, like DraftKings or different books, they are the favorites. Now, uh, this is kind of surprising to me. I don't think they should be the favorites necessarily. Um, I still lean the Suns over them, although the Suns have shown some weakness. And honestly, I still think the Celtics are probably better than them too. Uh, if the Bucks get Middleton, they're also better than them. So I don't know. Maybe even the Heat. Like it's. It's just so close. Like, it's so close. But ultimately, I still lean the Suns. Interesting. I'm hoping we get that series. The Suns might get knocked out today. Who knows? They might. Who knows, Trevor? They might get knocked um, out. But why don't we, you know, get to the series that are happening today. Yeah. The uh, the two upcoming Game 7s. So, so we'll transition to that one then. Mavs-Suns. Uh, we got the Game 7. Um, you know, this, this series... Has been uh, there have been some more blowouts like there have been a couple good games but there have been also uh, blowouts to this series. Um, Luka Doncic obviously doing what we have become accustomed to seeing in the playoffs. He's been incredible. Uh, he's one of the I don't think he's still the playoff leader in points. I think Michael Jordan is again because I think he's had a couple nights where he's only like twenty six points and and I say that like Luka Doncic only had twenty six points right because <laughs> it's like kind of an outlier because he almost always is in the thirties or forties. Um, he's incredible. But in addition, I got to point out, you know, I picked the Utah Jazz to beat the Mavs in the first series. I had the Phoenix Suns in six in this series. It's in seven. Again, not, not, I wasn't that wrong, but I was, I was definitely a little wrong about the Mavericks here. So I wanted to point that out. I didn't totally see, uh, the contributions from the role players that they've gotten. I didn't really see Brunson having some of these breakup performances that he had against the Utah Jazz. I didn't necessarily see Dorian Finney-Smith having a big game. He had a 24-point game in this series. And then you have other guys. You have, like, Reggie Bullock, uh, who's become a really good defender. Uh, you know, he's he's making it tougher on uh, some of these guys for the Suns, like Chris Paul, um, who has kind of struggled now in this series for, uh, like, three or four games now in a row. Um, so I've underrated this Mavs supporting cast for Luka, um, and they've been really good. I do still think the Suns are going to win, but I think it's going to be pretty close. Like, I ultimately... I. I don't know. I'm, I'm a Chris Paul fan. What can I say? Maybe I'm a little biased, but I think that Chris Paul is going to get it together. I think he'll have a good performance um, today. You know, Booker will do his thing. DeAndre Ayton in the paint. I think that the Suns will take Game 7 in advance to play the Warriors in what is going to be 
an incredible series, uh, Suns Warriors. Yeah, I I really do hope that happens. I I also believe the Suns will win. Did we take the Suns in seven? Is that what we did? Or we probably took it in less than seven. So I said six. I said six. I forget what you guys said, but I know I. I probably said five. You might have said knowing me. myself, I was just like, let's be bold, five. You, you know? might have. And then when Ben and I were talking on the podcast last week, we were kind of hinting like this might go five, like the Suns might close out in five, and obviously. You know, uh, Cole takes exposed. We were wrong last week, you know, which, you know, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. It happens. Exactly. Yeah, so... Th- exactly. Well, let's wrap up with our uh, last series here, Bucks celtics Absolutely. So, the best one of them all, Bucks celtics I think this has been the best playoff series of any playoff series uh, so far because, number one, like, Giannis is just... I mean, he's, he's already... I mean, last year he already kind of took a leap up. He won the championship. He had 50 points in the closeout game six, right? He was incredible. Uh, he averaged a lot of points against the Suns last year. But now, against this really good Celtics defense, it seems like he might even be better. I Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think he's the best player in the world. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Giannis is the best player in the world. I think it's undeniable at this point. And in this series, he's averaging about 35 points, 14 rebounds, and 7 assists. I mean, that's just insane. It's insane that Giannis is doing this. And he's doing it without Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's been out for the entire series. I mean, yes, Drew Holiday's really good. And Holiday had two incredibly clutch plays um, in their Game 5 win. Holiday's awesome. He's like an ultimate winner. But... Outside of that, you start going down this roster, and it's like, okay, Connaughton, like, he had some contributions here or there, like Bobby Portis, he's a Milwaukee favorite, he's solid, Brooke Lopez, in certain situations, is a good player, Wesley Matthews, a good vet, Grayson Allen, it's like, now we're, it's like, eh, I don't know, like, these guys are, like, they're decent, but they're not, like, they're not, like, what the Celtics have, when you look at, like, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, you know, like, some of these guys, uh, the Celtics just have more, they're a more well-rounded team, and I think they are the slightly better team. And I picked them in seven, I'm sticking with that. But the fact that Giannis has pushed this to seven, and, and he hasn't done it alone, again, Holiday, Content, these guys are giving great contributions. But Giannis, when the Celtics build big leads, like he's constantly keeping them in it. He's keeping them in it, and then in the biggest moments, he's doing things that he normally does, and in addition... He's also doing some things that he doesn't normally do. Like, there was, I think, I don't know if it was game six or game five, but he hit a huge three, uh, like, with a couple minutes left. There was another game, I think, earlier in the series where he hit another huge three. Like, he just, like, in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, he'll just, like, step up and hit a huge three-pointer, and he's, like, a bad three-point shooter. It's the one of the weirdest things ever, you know, the, the fact that he just, like, randomly can step up and hit threes. And he's also been a pretty good free throw shooter um, lately in this series. Uh, you know, that's just like the ultimate test when you're in the playoffs and you can rise your level of play. Because obviously, you know, all these guys like Giannis, he's already really good in the regular season. But you look at his average in the playoffs, like they they go up. You look at across the board, they go up. He's better in the playoffs. And that is what the all-timers do. That's what LeBron did. That's what Michael Jordan did. That's what Kevin Durant. Like all these guys, Kobe. That's what Giannis is doing. So he's on track. You know, he's only 27. He's got a long way to go. But he's on track to be one of these all-time greats. And uh, I think this is going to be a great game today. I didn't even really mention the, the Jason Tatum side of this, but he also was really good in Game 6, 46 points. Um, just absolutely outstanding. And I did see a note. It looks like the Celtics are getting Robert Williams back today. 
which is I just saw that. Huge, just saw it on Twitter. Yep. Which is huge. So Robert Williams, huge boost. Yeah, it's a huge boost to the Celtics. Uh, it strengthens my confidence in them winning. So it's going to be a fun game. Really fun game. Yeah, 100%. I 100% agree. It's going to be a great one. Um, and that one will take off at 3.30 EST. Um, anything else you'd like to add, Cheryl, before we kind of wrap up the pod for today? I think that's about it. I'm, I'm a little out of breath. You know, it's been a lot of talking today. So <laughs> Yeah, a lot of talking. We've done yeah. we've done, we've done almost two hours of podcasting today, and only only half of it's going to show. But that is that is okay. Trevor, have a great rest of your birthday. Big happy birthday from, from Ben and I. I'll speak on our behalfs. Um, enjoy your little gift. Um, and yeah, I think we'll, we'll end it there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate all the support. Um, subscribe to our podcast, leave a five-star review. Trevor, if you want anything for your birthday, anything in the world, wouldn't a five-star review be like the top thing? Oh, it's the only thing I want. It's the only thing I care about. Five-star review. That's it. So uh, we got to give Trevor what he wants for his birthday. So leave that five-star review. We'd really, really enjoy it. Uh, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Go Falcons.